Welcome to CSU Stories, the podcast where we tell the stories of the unique work of people in regional New South Wales and beyond. From Hollywood careers to amphibian specialists, we talk with CSU staff, students, alumni and members of our communities to share how our regions are shaping Australia and the world. Clayton Mueller is a Bachelor of Environmental Science and Management student in Port Macquarie. Clay, thanks for talking to Charles Stett Stories today. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me on here. <laughs> Pleasure. So Clay, I wanted to have a chat to you. You're studying environmental science and you're volunteering at the Port Macquarie Koala Hospital. Uh, you've been doing a lot of initiatives since you've been with Charles Stett Uni. But first, can you just tell me a bit about what drew you to environmental science and management? And what, what do you study in that degree? Uh, okay, so I guess growing up, I grew up in a town called Queanbeyan, just outside of Canberra, and I was pretty much surrounded by the bush. We had the Namadji National Park on our doorstep, so I spent a lot of time there as a kid and sort of developed a bit of a connection with the mountains. They've always been really close to me, so I've always loved climbing and hiking and things like that. Mm. Uh, and then over the summer of 2018, uh, my little brother and I, we walked from pretty much just outside Melbourne to Canberra. Uh, up through all the national parks in Australia, which is about 700 kilometres. <gasps> wow. Uh, which was an amazing experience. It took us about six weeks. Pretty pretty difficult spending six weeks with your brother. Oh, um, <laughs> the more tired you got, the more cranky. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but it was an incredible experience. Uh, but as I was going through all these beautiful, beautiful places, I just really saw a lot of the problems that they were facing invasive species, climate change, things like that. Uh, alpine areas in Australia are really disproportionately affected just because of their altitude. They experience climate change a lot more severely. Uh, invasive species, they've got really delicate ecosystems. So invasive species wreak a lot of havoc. Uh, so I just decided that that was something that I was really interested in looking into more or doing something about potentially. Uh, mm. So I signed up for my degree in the hopes of going into protected area management and particularly in the alpine areas in Australia. Mm. And do you feel like the degree has been giving you sort of a good foundation for what you want to do in the alpine preservation sort of area? Yeah, definitely. It was actually pretty uh, crazy. So that was what my main interest when I sort of started my degree last year. And I, my first assignment was in natural resource management. And we, it was a pretty open-ended assignment and I got to decide what I wanted to study. For it. So I decided I wanted to do feral horse populations in Kosciuszko National Park. Oh, yeah. So I basically came to my lecturer with this idea and I was like, oh, this will be great. I'm something I'm interested in. And my lecturer said, oh, that's great. I'm the advisor to the, to the Victorian government on feral horses or something like that. Was um, that David so Watson, by any chance? It was Alex, uh, Dr. Alexandra Knight. Oh, wow. Um, okay, great. She'd just written, she'd just written a paper on uh, the social sciences and their use in sort of changing the public's perception on feral horse management, so which I cited in my paper. Um, but it was just so incredible to have sort of an ex expert in the field be your mentor when I'm writing about an issue I'm so so passionate about. Um, yeah. So it was, it was incredible. And I've had so many opportunities through this degree and through the New Colombo plan to sort of really extend that alpine-specific knowledge and mm. get a much stronger base for dealing with sort of these social and um, environmental issues. Mm. And actually, you mentioned the New Colombo plan. So you're a New Colombo fellow for 2020. Can you tell me just a little bit, like, what is that and what do you get to do? Uh, so the New Colombo plan, it's a sort of signature initiative of uh, DFAT, and it's, which is Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Uh, and it's basically a scholarship program that 
they send 100 and I think 120 students from across Australia, all different universities, all different walks of life to uh, Asian countries in the Indo-Pacific and they support them for uh, up to 19 months on a, on a program. So my program, I'll be going to Nepal in August of this year. I'll be studying at Kathmandu University for 12 months, studying environmental science there. I'll be learning the language and then I'll be interning for six months across Asia with a few different organisations. Uh, hopefully one organisation is going to be Himalayan Nature, which Charles Sturt University has a really, really strong relationship with. We run all our Nepal trips and um, interact with them quite heavily. Uh, and they're just an amazing organisation. It's a really, really incredible opportunity for me and I'm so lucky to have the chance to be able to do it. Oh, no, that's wonderful. And, I mean, I hear they have good climbing over there in Nepal as well, so that might be something that interests you if you get some time off. <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah, one of the reasons, yeah. That's it. Now, the other thing, Clay, is um, I know that you are a tour guide at the Port Macquarie Koala Hospital as well, and you've been doing that for, oh, maybe nearly a year now? Yep, so I started uh, as a tour guide about, yeah, I think nine months ago, uh, and it's been an incredible experience. I'm so lucky to have the opportunity to do it, and I'm so lucky to live in a place that has sort of a world-renowned um, conservation organisation or wildlife rescue and hospital in it. Uh, I think it's really a great opportunity for the Charleston students in Port Macquarie, and I encourage them all, <laughs> really, to get involved in the hospital. So, yeah, I started there about eight months ago. It was pretty daunting at the start of yeah. getting up in front of 40 people or 50 people and trying to speak to them about things, uh, about koalas and things like that. But I find that the more I've gotten into it and the more practice I've had, I'm a lot more comfortable. Uh, and it's been a really interesting summer. Um, quite depressing at times. Yeah, uh, with the fires. See a lot of, with the fires and things like that. But I mean, the visitation at the koala hospital has really spiked. One tour I had 350 people rock up. Oh, wow. Um, I had the opportunity to speak to 350 people about an issue I'm so passionate about. So, And what do you find... Yeah, what do you find you're educating people on that they sort of don't know? I mean, obviously, they're coming to the hospital because they want to know more and support the koalas. So what do you find that you're educating them on in terms of, I guess, things that we're not aware of about koalas? Yep, well, um, the stance of the koala hospital in this sort of regard is that we really want to inform them on... Um, sort of the threats that are facing koalas in the area. So the major one is deforestation and habitat loss. Uh, you can scale that up to conservation globally. Uh, that's the main threat that we're really facing at the moment uh, with every species. Um, it's hard to generalise, but it's yeah one of the major threats mm. that the conservation movement's facing. So we really try and drill that home quite a lot. We also try to try to tell people because we have the rescue and the hospital side of the organisation as well. Uh, so we try and tell people the signs of a sick or injured koala how to recognise chlamydia, things like that. And then we also educate them on things that they can do, so locking their dogs up if they know they've got koalas in the area and things like that. So uh, we really try and educate in that regard. But on a personal level, mm. uh, I'm a very strong believer that if you sort of can develop a connection to something, then you're a lot more inclined to be an ambassador for that. Uh, so I, I try and sort of uh, tell, tell the visitors a bit more about the personality of the koalas and uh, a bit more about their stories and try and develop that connection between the visitor and the, um, and the koala itself and that will hopefully get them more interested in the issue and make them more likely to 
support legislation that's going to protect koalas and vote in a way that's going to help koalas and things like that. So. Yeah, that's right. And you mentioned the personality of the koalas. What, are, what is that like? I mean, when I was very, very young living in Queensland, I went to a lone pine sanctuary and got to cuddle a koala. I don't even remember it and I don't know if the koala even would have liked it. So what, do they have distinct personalities? Are they all a little bit different? Do they like interacting with you? Yeah, so they can be really, really different. And it depends on the sex of the koala as well. So we, we've got some really amazing koalas there at the moment. Uh, one of our koalas, Rose, Lismore Rose, uh, she's came in about four or five months ago. And when she first came in, so she's, her problem is that she's got uh, kidney issues. So yeah. like, well, our, our goal there is to rescue, rehabilitate and release koalas. Like, we want to get these koalas back out into the bush. There's nothing more, like, there's nothing I'd love more than to go into Rose's exhibit and pick her up and take her out into the bush and set her free. Mm. Um, that, that, that's my goal, but unfortunately, that can't happen. She can't be released. Uh, but Rose doesn't know that, so she oh. wanted to escape. She wanted to escape when she um, first came to us. Oh. So she climbed up onto the top of the enclosure and jumped about two meters. <gasps> um, yeah, literally jumped about two meters and uh, ran ran out of the enclosure. And we had to chase after her and grab her. So we put her back in the enclosure and she tried to escape again. So we thought, you know, we'll put her in this caged enclosure. Um, mm. It's quite a big cage, like it's easily the size of a lecture room and we thought okay she won't be able to escape this and then she got her head stuck in the um in in the wire trying to escape um oh, but she's then, plucky then, <laughs> yeah that's that time she's become a celebrity so she <laughs> when she first came in she was really really uh, cautious and wanted to escape but then she got used to us and now she every time i bring a tour around she comes up the front and stands on a branch and like poses for photos oh uh, gorgeous really, really amazing personality. She's the most curious and mischievous koala I've ever seen. Oh. Um, and she's really a star there. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other hand, we've got the koala called Xavier. And he's pretty horizontally challenged. So mm. he's quite a large koala. Oh. <laughs> so we generally give the koalas food at about three o'clock every day. So we'll give them a sort of veterinary supplement, which just gives them a bit of rehydration. Uh, and we encourage the visitors to come watch it. It's part of the tour. Uh, so we generally always feed Xavier at three o'clock because he never really turns down a free meal. Um, oh, and he sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, but he's excellent. Yeah, it's a good life being a koala. You get to sleep 20 hours a day and just eat. <laughs> it's great. If I get reincarnated, I want it to be as a koala. It's really amazing to sort of work with these animals every day mm. and get to experience what they're like. And um, I've definitely loved the species now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really amazing. Oh, thank you, Clay. Look, can I say, listening to you with all of your knowledge around not only koalas, but just in terms of the alpine habitats, deforestation, all the things that we need to address, you know, probably should have addressed it 50 years ago, but going forward, it, it's wonderful to hear people with your passion and students that we have here that are so committed to doing that. And I feel like maybe we're in good hands with your generation. Can I ask you, as we wrap up, just what is your, I guess, what would your ideal ultimate goal be for the environment? What do you think is the biggest and best thing that we can do, I guess, to fix where we're, where we're at at the moment? Oh, I mean, that's a huge question, isn't it? It that's is, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> um, I mean, I think my generation, so the people, yeah, my generation really has this 
huge challenge for this incredible opportunity. What we do in the next 20 or 30 years is really going to affect, the, is really going to sort of set the human human species on the projection that it's going to be on for the next sort of couple hundred years in terms of the environment. So it's a huge challenge. I think by, obviously biodiversity loss is the main sort of threat that we're facing at the moment. And I think climate change is a huge reason for that. Habitat loss is a huge reason for that. Invasive species is a huge reason for that. So it's not a problem that you can sort of just have an easy fix for. I think you need you need a system you need a systematic change you need changes on an individual level legislation yeah I, I don't think like it's 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 a wicked question there's so much that needs to be done and it needs to be so multidisciplinary and so multifaceted that you, know, you can't you can't really have a single answer for it no, no that's there's, right. there's, a lot, there's a lot to be done and there's a lot of good work that people can do on an individual basis there's a lot of lifestyle changes that people can make and there's a lot of stuff that we can do as a country and that we can do as a as a um that's a globe, yeah, so <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very difficult question to answer. Thank you for grappling with it. I actually, I love hearing how you break it down in terms of individual versus country. There's policy, there's things that we can all do and things that we need to mobilise as. Clay, thank you so much for the chat today. I've really, even just a short time, learned a lot. And next time I'm in Port Macquarie, I want to come and see Rose the Koala for sure. My pleasure. Thanks for listening and we look forward to sharing all of our CSU stories with you. For more information on CSU stories, go to news.csu.edu.au.